Hello, this is Ron Cohen with this week's tax update. Today is July 26, 2022. Keep in mind, everything moves very quickly, so those dates are important. I'm a tax partner with the firm of Greenstein Rogal Olson & Company in beautiful downtown Fremont, California. So we're going to cover a number of things today. Uh, the Senate's still carving on the Build Back Better bill, trying to get a version so that uh, Senator Joe Manchin will pick it up and go with it. They're also working on a new chips bill in order to get semiconductor manufacturing back in the U.S., more so than it is already, get some tax credits. I'm going to touch a little bit on the very, very valuable employee retention credits. They're still out there. You can file amended returns to get credits in years past and certainly something uh, that uh, you should look at. And also talk about a, a new term. I like this term, offer and compromise mills. Offer and compromise mills. Lots of people out there, you hear them on the radio all the time, call us, sign a power of attorney, pay us a fee, and we'll, we'll work your case and make all your taxes go away. Well, of course, that's not true. And the IRS finally, I, I, I'll, I'll talk about it more later, but they're finally uh, uh, pushing back a little bit on these uh, people making claims that are often not true. So I'll elaborate a bit more. So again, we're in beautiful downtown Fremont. We're about 35 miles south of San Francisco and about 12 miles north of San Jose on the East Bay, the San Francisco Bay. A few caveats before we get into it. Uh, one, take no reliance on what you hear on this podcast. Uh, we're just trying to be a little entertaining, going through some issues. If you want to rely on anything you hear, you got to you know, call us or call your other friendly tax preparer or tax advisor. You got to give them all facts. You got to show them all the documents. You got to make sure they have everything they need to know, and then they can give you an official opinion before you enter into any transactions using tax advice or file a return relying on certain tax advice. So make sure um, you do that right. Plagiarism is okay. In the tax world, we uh, constantly steal from the Internal Revenue Code and the, all the regulations and court cases and a lot of very smart advisors write articles trying to get themselves famous uh, with great ideas. And uh, it's all good. All good. The copy we're writing, no novels, no original thoughts here. Every now and then I might have an original uh, 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 opinion about something, but um, uh, we're not uh, held to the standard of uh, having original factual data that we go through. All right. I try to have no politics, although tax law is embedded in politics. All tax laws arise through legislative action. But in terms of the greater tax, uh, I'm sorry, political battles that go on currently uh, in this country, we try to stay out of that as much as possible. All right, our firm does, oh, 13, 1400 tax returns. We do tax planning. Uh, we cater to family office services for large, complex, rich families with all kinds of things going on. Try to give them a lot of personal service. Um, la lastly here, uh, we are no, I am, I am, I shouldn't speak to, for anyone else. I am no cheerleader for our taxes system in the United States. I think it's an invasion of privacy. It's tedious. It's overwhelming. Uh, there's a 15-page flowchart for figuring out whether something's deductible or not. It, 
takes 600 or more million dollars, billion, excuse me, 600 or more billion dollars a year for the country to figure out how to tax itself in terms of tax planning, tax return preparation, fighting audits, fighting court cases. The $600 billion, and, and that's an old number, it's probably $700 billion or more now. now. That's more than the gross domestic product of many other countries entirely. Our system is way overbearing. However, that said, we always try to do things as right as we can, try to get an A-plus on every tax turn, not an A-minus, not a B, not a C. Try to get an A-plus on every tax turn because this is the system we have, and we dutifully try to file tax returns correctly. All right, I want to uh, refer you also to Alan Olson's uh, podcast, American Dreams, that you can find on our website. And also just put it in American Dreams, Alan Olson, uh, where our website for the firm is www.groco.com. And our phone number here is 510-797-8661. All this is in the show notes. Don't worry. Uh, feel free to call. Happy to have a consultation for five or 10 or 15 minutes to see if we can help each other. Uh, and it makes sense uh, to become a client. Happy to talk to people for free for a good bit of time, probably more than I should. Uh, okay, so there's the there's the preliminaries. Uh, hope that helps. Okay, so let's go to what's going on in Washington. The uh, Build Back Better bill. Uh, 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 hat tip off to uh, Deloitte, where we get a lot of great information. They have a whole team of tax reporters. And so, of course, uh, I go there often to their uh, podcasts and their uh, tax updates, uh, just in part of my, in, in the process of doing my normal job here, uh, as a, as a tax preparer and also, um, preparing for this show. Anyway, uh, well vetted, well researched reporting by Deloitte and uh, their link is dutifully in our show notes. So Senate Democrats are trying to pursue a narrower version of the Build Back Better bill without a significant tax title. Following the recent news that Senator Joe Manchin, which we covered here, Democrat from West Virginia, would not support efforts by Demi Senate Democrats to advance the Build Back Better package addressing climate change, health care, deficit reduction, and taxes using the fast track budget reconciliation before the August recess, party leaders this week appeared poised to advance a much nearer reconciliation bill with no clean energy tax provisions or significant tax increases. I, I went through, had some great length in the prior weeks, um, all the uh, additional items they were trying to squeeze in the bill. And that Joe, Senator Joe Manchin struck again saying, nope, this is going to cause inflation. It's way too broad. There's a few gimmicks in here. I'm not going to support it. So they go back to the um, dr uh, drawing table. It's very interesting that one senator is, uh, uh, I think that's a fair political statement. One senator on the Democratic side said, because if the Democratic side isn't together, uh, they don't have, uh, 50 votes, uh, 51 votes, including Vice President Kamala Harris voting for their side. And, and all this has to get done. To, uh, there is a presumption the coming election might lose the Senate majority for the Democrats. I'm not saying I believe that's good or bad, just saying it could be. And um, there's only a certain period of time through which you can get a tax bill through the Senate 
with just 51 votes. Normally, correcting myself from last week, I said it might be 66 or two-thirds. It's, it's three-fifths. It, it's 60 votes is what normally takes to pass a tax bill. But under this reconciliation gimmick, the tax bill is recast as being just another appropriation bill during a certain period of time, and you only have so many shots at it. And um, the Democrats are running out of time. I don't like the whole thing. A tax bill is a tax bill. A reg- uh, 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 an appropriation bill is an appropriation bill. They're two separate things. Uh, the, the rules for forever have been that it took 60 votes to get a tax bill. So um, I don't like the whole thing, but I don't make the rules. Okay. While some Democrats still hold hope that they can pass another bill, including energy tax provisions and revenue raisers before the November election, most signs point to their ambiguous Build Back Better plans being dashed, along with the administration's hope for a timely U.S. implementation of changes to the treatment of the global intangible low-taxed income to comply uh, tax to comply to the Pillar 2 of the multilateral tax agreement signed last year. We talked about that last year, how the European Union and the United States signed a preliminary uh, agreement to put in a 15% minimum tax. I did want to uh, add a, re- a revolution, revelation. I haven't spent the time to lay out all the tax rates, but of course, many of these countries, their, their, their tax rate was over a minimum of 15%. So uh, for them, I said, sure, I'll vote for that. I want the other country to have a minimum of 15%. So they don't get a factory in their country that I don't. Uh, uh, so I think it's a little ingenuous. I also commented on how poor little Hungary is pushing back saying, no, I want a 9% rate. And, uh, and, and, and I gave the example of how Ireland for decades had a 12 and a half percent rate. And there's a huge high tech community employing thousands, uh, tens of thousands in Ireland. As a result, small countries need to have some advantage. Anyway, uh, it's a sovereignty issue. I'll leave it to that. Keep going here, but that's the pillar two of the multilateral tax agreement. Uh, the U S has signed that agreement. It has not been uh, 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 confirmed by the legislature. So uh, one could say the Department of Treasury and uh, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, getting a little bit out ahead of their skis because they're trying to enforce on other countries a multilateral, multinational agreement of which we have not confirmed. Uh, and uh, one, you know, again, very political. Um, and we'll move on after a lengthy period of negotiation of potential on a potential bill that would include robust clean energy tax provisions, Medicare prescription drug pricing reforms, and a substantial tax increase on corporations and wealthy individuals, items that Manchin had identified earlier in the year as priorities in the reconciliation agreement, the West Virginia Democrat told Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, and other party leaders on July 4th that at the present time he could support only a far limited bill on health care. Again, he raised inflation of his uh, concern. As the budget reconciliation measures build back better legislation, clear the Senate with a simple majority rather than a three-fifth supermajority, typically 60 votes, as I mentioned, often required to avoid procedural hurdles in the uh, legislative process. But in at the evenly divided Senate, with Vice President Kamala Harris as a tiebreaker, and with the support uh, expected of, no support expected of any Republicans, Democrats need 
to get their 50-member group together and hold it. All right, quoting Senator Martin Heidrich, Democrat, New Hampshire, it's not fair to string people along for a year and then come to no conclusion. Senator Martin Heinrich told reporters on July 19th outside the hearing room of the Energy Committee mansion shares. It's just not an appropriate way to negotiate. Uh, they're all complaining that um, Senator Manchin is kind of flip-flopping a little bit in what he promises at one point and then um, holding it out for a long period of time and then not capitulating to um, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer. Senator Bernie Sanders, Democrat from Vermont, the budget committee chair who helped craft the original reconciliation outline that was to build back better bill long ago, described his own feelings on the drawn-out negotiations with Manchin's reporters July 19th, saying my ending point was six months ago. So uh, they're just waiting till they can find something where um, Senator Manchin will go along um, again, the talk, clock is ticking. If you believe the Senate will change parties and, uh, there you go. Okay. So moving on keys among the tax provisions that will be left aside in the Senate passed health only reconciliation bill are changes necessary for us law to come closer to a 15% global minimum tax. Pillar two of the agreement, the U S joined with 140 other countries signed last October. Again, I point out the U.S. signed it. It has not been confirmed. Uh, the Build Back Better legislation that was passed by the House last November and the potential agreement that until recently was under negotiation in the Senate included an increase in the rate of global intangible low taxed income, also lovingly known as the guilty tax, to 15% and a shift to the calculations on a country by country basis. I'm sorry. This gets into highly technical computational matters. The global intangible, uh, the guilty tax, global intangible low tax income tax was put in, uh, by, uh, the Trump administration with, uh, you know, the agreement of Congress to, uh, do away with a lot of uh, all these Cayman company structures and Dutch sandwiches was one of the cute names given to them and, and said, well, if there's a certain ownership, all the money gets pulled up into the U.S. And you are given, given certain deductions under section 250. There's a, there's other calculations where you could come under uh, a 15% rate. Well, now that we signed on to pillar two of the EU, uh, uh, minimum tax bill, uh, again, not confirmed by the Senate. Um, it's a little embarrassing because you can get answers under guilty that are lower than the 15% EU rate. And so they're trying to do the legislation to get all on the same. Uh, same level. Uh, you heard my, uh, response last week is, uh, I don't think it's, uh, appropriate for one sovereign country to tell another sovereign country what rates to tax their citizens at. And I'll leave that at that. In his July 15th interview, however, Manchin specifically cited the guilty changes as among the provisions he opposed right now because countries have not yet adopted the global minimum tax, and he doesn't want to put American companies at a competitive disadvantage. Exactly right. Little old Hungary says, put my, your factory here. We're at 9% corporate tax rate. You, you guys in the U.S., you know, they're you're trying to make you over 15% under guilty. So you're making, you know, making a multi-billion dollar bet on putting in a factory 
that you think might run for 50 or 100 years, uh, what are you going to do? That's a lot of money uh, that your share shareholders could get uh, in the future on that spread in the tax rates. So, um, and as I talked about before, you know, uncertainty is what kills all activity. Nobody knows what the answer is. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, they need to sort this out. Um, can't do that. So we took it off the table, said Manchin, quote unquote, referring to what he told Senator Majority Leader Schumer in their recent conversation that led to the breakdown of negotiations. Secretary of Treasury Yellen announced in a July 19th radio interview that it could take, quote, years, unquote, for the U.S. to implement the deal, that being Pillar 2, but insisted it's too important to abandon. She also said she believes implementation of Pillar 2 by other nations will have the effect of putting pressure on the U.S. to follow suit and to uh, uh, confirm uh, this, this quasi-treaty that was um, that was signed. Uh, they will levy this tax on Americans doing business in their jurisdictions, and Americans will just lose out on tax revenues that could only uh, that that could uh, that we could use to invest in the strength of our economy and in the middle class. Okay, well that's uh, your point of view. Uh, she told uh, Secretary of Treasury Yellen told National Public Radio. So there will be incentives over time to adopt this in the U.S., to which I say utter nonsense. Um, companies do not want to locate in Hungary and other places. Uh, the world doesn't work that way. Uh, it's not all about the tax rate. It's about the security. Uh, let me just share with you, again, going off the rails a little bit. Um, I heard a, a, a commentator talk about Russia, Russia, right? So. Uh, I'm sitting here near Oakland, California. I can drive up 880 and I can get on Highway 80. And I can take Highway 80, a very nice paved, uh, some places four lane, some places six lane on two sides. Uh, I can take it from Oakland, California. Uh, in fact, I could take it west into San Francisco across the bridge, but I can take it east from Oakland, California to Maine the state of Maine, I can go from one side of the country to the other on beautiful interstate paved highway. Okay. You can't do that in Russia. They have highways around the big cities. You can't get from Moscow to St. Petersburg on a nice highway. It breaks down into one line, one lane facing each other. Sometimes the paving's not so good, right? Right. The countries are much, much different. It's all, it's not just about tax rates. Sometimes in many countries, the power is only on for seven hours a day. I mean, so this whole thing about, well, let's out of Brussels where the EU legislates, let's all sit down, do our spreadsheet, try to make things even. I, I disagree. Okay. Rather, low tax rates often create and uh, often create a middle class in what otherwise would be a poor country. I cited Ireland a bit ago, sometimes out of dirt, poor farmers. That makes everyone better off when a middle class arises. Uh, it helps avoid wars and encourages trade. Secretary of Treasury is trapped in a narrative, in my opinion, about the world far distant from reality and politically motivated. I hear from people all the time. This is me talking. You know, they call me and they say, gee, Ron, you know, uh, I'm from Singapore 
and I might be thinking about investing in your, your country, the United States, but, uh, uh, you know, you've educated me, Iran, I've educated them on guilty and controlled foreign corporations and passive foreign investment companies and the crazy patchwork of Wayf Wayfair versus the versus South Dakota having to do with multi-state taxation, uh, the, the, the terrible impact of downward attribution rules, taxing income earned in other countries, uh, that has absolutely nothing to do with the U.S. if you happen to have a corporation here under downward attribution. Long story. It makes uh, doing business in the U.S. very, very unattractive. Plus, not even most liberals believe that giving more money to the U.S. Treasury does anything more than throwing money into a black hole. So the Secretary of Treasury's comments that, well, we need this even playing field so we can get more money into the U.S. Treasury so we can help uh, the middle class here in the U.S. It, it's all fallacious. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Uh, there, there is no money in the Treasury. Uh, we are outlays for Social Security, Medicare, and even basic, you know, the Forest Service and, and the running, running just basic services of the federal government far outweigh the revenue. So they have to borrow 30, 40% of, of what they run every year. So these issues about, um, there needs to be parity under the pillar two, uh, uh, ag agreement, uh, doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Several senior Republicans on the House Ways and Means Committee who opposed the global tax pack met with Hungarian foreign minister, Peter, let's just call it S cause I can't say the name and ambassador ST cause I can't say the names in Washington on July 21st to reiterate their support, their support. Uh, for Hungary's position to fight, to fight the EU 15% minimum tax and keep their little 9% tax to stimulate growth in their own country. In a statement released after the meeting, Ways and Means Committee ranking member Ken Brady of Texas, along with tax writers Adrian Smith of Nebraska, the tax, the top Republican on the trade subcommittee, and Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania, said that they share concerns over the global minimum tax harming our country's job creation and economic growth, as well as the Biden administration's unilateral determination, uh, termination of the longstanding U.S.-Hungary tax treaty. Yes, I mentioned it last week. Uh, the Biden administration said, if you don't join this minimum tax group, uh, we're going to put aside, set aside the longstanding U.S. tax treaty between the United States and Hungary, which has number of completely necessary, practical, granular, day-by-day -day provisions that help both citizens of both countries and for the president on one issue to say, you know, I'm going to waive your treaty. Um, that is, uh, that's something else, but I'll leave it at that. Okay, moving on. Uh, the Senate clears a pared-down chips bill with tax breaks for the semiconductor uh, industry. Now, uh, let me point out, we're in a pickle. Um, there are, I believe it's in Indiana, there are, are parking lots filled with brand new pickup trucks sitting there that can't be sold uh, because they're waiting for a chip. They're, they're, they can't be used. They can't be run. They're all done, ready to go, ready to be sold. A lot of these are pre-sold. The order's already been made. The customer's waiting for the truck somewhere in the country. Can't ship the truck because they don't have to chip in it. And that's because during the 80s and 90s, and I sat in these boardrooms and I listened to these discussions saying, 
you know, you can get a, you can get a five to one benefit. You can pay somebody one fifth of what you pay here in California to have somebody do the same thing offshore, generally China and India. Well, okay. And uh, some people at the time raised the, uh, the, the comment that yes, you can do that. But at some point, who's going to buy what we're selling? Because you've uh, shipped away all the good paying jobs. And of course, at that time, many people, and I'll actually get a little rough here, instead, including Carly Fiorina out of HP, said, oh, I've got to do it. We've got to set up the plan outshore, offshore. That's what the Wall Street guys are telling us. That's how we be competitive. That's what our shareholders demand. So let's close down a couple of factories here in the Bay Area and, and send all those jobs for one-fifth the salary. And they did it with a bandit. Well, chickens have come home to roost. A lot of the most technical best chips in the world are made in Taiwan. Taiwan, if I'm correct, is about 10 miles off the Chinese coast and uh, having uh, jet fighter flyovers by the Chinese um, uh, Air Force on a, on, a, on a very routine basis. And in addition, uh, uh, we have uh, both big pharma and uh, chip manufacturing uh, going on offshore um, that can, uh, uh, because of supply chain issues, rare earth mineral issues, um, get clogged up. And so here we go. So uh, I've been talking uh, with some congressmen and whatever, and and uh, there there certainly seems to be uh, traction, some real movement, uh, a bipartisan with both parties saying we we overdid it, we pushed it too far. No, we need to bring the chip factories back. So after Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia recently blocked the party's effort to pass the Build Back Better legislation before Congress adjourned for its August recess, the Senate this week shifted gears to appear poised in the coming days to clear bipartisan legislation designed to boost domestic semiconductor manufacturing and encourage U.S. research activities. What a concept! Let's build the key components to what we have here in the United States, and let's keep researching to make them better and better. However, while the measures include an investment tax credit intended to promote domestic production of semiconductors, it appears unlikely that lawmakers will add a provision that would retroactively permit expensing for research expenditures under Section 174. Okay, I'm very versed in that. Yes, uh, under the uh, tax, tax Cuts and Jobs Act under President Trump. Uh, his keystone tax uh, uh, legislation back in his term, one of the provisions was that um, uh, our research and development expenses, which could be written off immediately for years, had to be capitalized and then amortized over time. Well, when you capitalize something, you're not deducting it. You're treating it as an asset. You get to take, you know, like depreciation, you take the deduction over time. And a lot of us thought, why? Why are we doing that? Um, that certainly isn't helping to stimulate the thing that really keeps the economy moving, which is constant innovation. But uh, so the bad news is it is appears that the fix to the one seven section one seventy four is R D R D deductions uh, that many had hoped for from both parties um, didn't isn't in the Chips Act of two thousand twenty two Senate consideration of the Chips Act of twenty twenty two came relatively swiftly after Senator Manchin pointedly withdrew, at least for now, his support for Democrat broader effort to, among other things, raise taxes on corporations. We talked about how they want to tax 
the difference between book and taxable income, gap and taxable income, never been done before. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Uh, Anti-American, anti-stimulus. I wanted to raise taxes on corporations and certain high individuals by raising the Social Security Medicare tax. If your income was too high from an S-corp or a pass-through entity, change climate change and, uh, and reduce the budget deficit as part of the Build Back Better initiative. Well, I'm all for reducing the budget deficit. Um, I'm not sure how the Build Back Better bill accomplished that. But again, that's a great controversy as to how you count the numbers as to whether it did reduce the deficit or actually increased it. Um, importantly, this iteration of the CHIP legislation currently moving through Congress is actually the offspring of a much more expansive China competition package that Democrats and Republicans had been attempting to hash out with a 107-member House and Senate committee conference. Good. However, the two chambers were struggling to resolve key differences between their respective bills, which led to a late-stage effort to pass a narrower bill focused primarily on boosting domestic semiconductor production. Let's at least do this, because the car manufacturers are screaming about uh, their supply chain issues and semiconductors. Quote, we worked very hard to get a bill out of the Senate. We got overwhelming votes for it. And then when we got to the House, we hit a brick wall, said Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Menendez, Democrat, New Jersey, New Jersey, very far to the left, gentlemen, whose committee's entire contribution to the Senate's original China competition package was struck for a narrow, bit narrower bill. It's a shame, Menendez con continued, because it's now a chip bill, not a China bill. I agree with them. I agree with them. There you have it. I'm agreeing with a very far left Democrat. Uh, the issue of not the Chinese people. Love the Chinese people. Love the Chinese culture. Wonderful people. Unfair trade practices has to stop. 25% investment tax credit plus funding for domestic chip makers. The new package, which the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimates will cost $80 billion over 10 years, leans to a direct funding build aimed at building, expanding, modernizing domestic semiconductor facilities along with boosting funding for research and development programs administered by the Department of Commerce. Well, get the Department of Commerce out of there. Everything they touch turns to garbage. Sorry, sorry, but it's true. And $80 billion is nothing, is nothing. When you look at our defense budget and our, um, um, and our other, you know, we, we've spent, you know, $6 trillion on COVID. Uh, again, broader issue. But um, I certainly uh, am glad to see $80 billion is is uh, is a substantial amount of money. I'm not saying it's it's nothing, but I'm saying comparatively it's nothing. So please march forward, continue to get this passed. On the tax side, the bill would create a 25% investment tax credit under the new tax code 48D. 48D. I have to memorize that for qualified property, generally generally tangible and depreciable or amortizable property that is constructed or acquired new. New, not used, new, new, important issue, new by the taxpayer and is integral to the operation of a facility for which the primary purpose, not the secondary purpose or the thirdary purpose, the primary purpose 
is for the manufacturer of semiconductors or equipment used in semiconductor manufacturing. The provision would also allow taxpayers, including partnerships and S-Corps, to receive the credit under a direct pay portion option, similar to the direct pay provisions for delivering certain clean energy incentives in the House-approved version of the Build Back Better bill. Okay, cool, great. Uh, the credit, which carries a 10-year cost of roughly $25 billion, nothing, it's nothing uh, as, as a percentage of the federal budget. But good, go forward, according to CBO, would be available for property placement service after, get this, December 31, 2022. Thank you. Thank you. Don't make it for the current year. Let us get the bill passed. Let's read it. Let's understand it and then make it effective in the subsequent year so nobody has to start applying retroactive rules. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Extension of research expenses, expensing still on the sidelines. I already talked about that. Uh, doesn't look like it has the momentum to get back to the old rule of immediate expensing. The chip enactment appears likely. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, who is the Senate, yes, Majority Leader, has indicated in no certain terms earlier this month the Republicans would withhold support for any chip-related legislation so long as Democrats were pushing a larger-scale Build Back Better bill under the budget reconciliation process. However, after Senate Manchin said he could not back this Democrats' Build Back Better effort, the legislation gears on chips began moving again. Yes, okay. Um, we all hate this uh, the sausage machine in which legislation is made, the trade-offs. I'll give you this if you give me that. Uh, but it looks like it's moving because, uh, again, Senator Joe Manchin shut down Build Back Better bill, and everybody says, you know, let's at least get chips through as a bill. I hope that is helpful. That is good news, especially here in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. I am uh, 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 Senator uh, Congressman Ro Khanna, uh, California district here, Cupertino up through uh, South Fremont, was on the uh, Maria Bartiromo show on uh, Fox News and made it very clear. His comment was that it was malpractice governmental malpractice to not pass the chips bill uh, and help out semiconductors uh, manufacturing uh, a key component of anybody who gets out of bed in the morning and, uh, you know, doesn't all your, all your appliances in your house have chips in them, your cars have chips in them, your manufacturing equipment has chips in them, your first fifth generation fighter jets have super duper chips. And here we are arguing, you know, it's like arguing over coal, right? Well, you need coal. I mean, you know, I mean, like arguing over coal a hundred years ago. Of course, you, you need the coal, make it work. That's what the chips are now. It's a basic component. And we have been uh, uh, illogical and frivolous to offshore. All right. So that's the third point. Okay. Number four here. I want to talk about reminding everyone that the employee retention credits, the ERC, they're out there. They're real. You can go back and amend returns and get the refund. Uh, don't they used to be at be first you couldn't take both the uh, paycheck protection plan free uh, forgivable loans and take the uh, er, uh, employee retention credits. You couldn't do both, but they changed that so that you could have a PPP loan 
and take an ERC credit. Business owners whose businesses suffered during the pandemic, you have to be able to show that business went down, can claim up to $5,000 in each tax, uh, it, five, excuse me, $5,000 in re refundable tax credits for each employee on payroll in 2020 and up to $7,000 for each employee in the first three quarters of 2021. I repeat, $5,000 in refundable credits for each employee on the payroll in 2020 and up to $7,000 for each employee for the first three quarters of 2021. Uh, I've seen these amended returns. They go through, the checks show up in the mail. Uh, if you qualify, please, please, please uh, pursue these and uh, we can help you out with them. Um, uh, there are many other preparers uh, that can uh, can work through this. Um, and, and it's a very, you know, the law is passed, the money's right there. Uh, take advantage of it if you want to. Okay, the fourth and final point today is one of my favorite topics about uh, the um, the companies out there advertising on the radio all day long, the offer and compromise companies. So the the IRS is actually fighting back a little bit. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the of the history. The you, you listen on the radio and they make it sound like. Oh, if I call this number and I owe $50,000 to the IRS, um, this magical guy somewhere in some office with an 800 number is going to have me sign a power of attorney. He's going to have me fill out a form and my tax problems will disappear. That's just not true. It's just not true. It hasn't been true for years. And I actually, uh, kudos to the IRS to start going after them. First of all, a lot of these guys have you signed a power of attorney. They may, they may write one letter. They may not even do that. They just take your money and disappear. Uh, so taking advantage of someone who's already in a tough spot. Uh, uh, and so the IRS has coined the phrase, the offer and compromise mills. You know, like these phone rooms that call, where they're selling you things that offer and compromise mills. OIC mills. Well done. I like it. Yes. Because it always bothered me uh, that they were taking advantage of people who were already down on their luck. On their luck. Um, and so when you, and there are many reputable offer and compromise firms. I don't want to knock everybody. Uh, uh, we, we have actually a problem taking on clients in this situation. We try to keep you from getting in trouble. We don't particularly want to work with uh, clients who are deep, deep, deep in trouble and are trying to work their way out through offer and compromise or other programs with the IRS. Because um, I'll be quite frank, if you can't pay your taxes, uh, you might not pay us. <laughs> so so it's, uh, it's not really a market we're after, but I, I do watch and I do have some clients, we've definitely helped out some people in this area um, in this way, but these offer and compromise mills, uh, they're, they're dishonest. Uh, in some cases, some of them are very reputable, do a great job. Don't want to knock those guys at all. Those guys, women, whatever. These offer and compromise mills urge people. Oh, so the point I was trying to make to follow up is if you owe the IRS 40,000 bucks and you have lots of assets, right? You have money in the bank, you have 401k, you have three homes, you know, you have two cars, uh, you have stuff. 
It is absolutely a fundamental non-truth. It is a lie <laughs> that you're going to hire a company who's going to have uh, a certain contact in the IRS, have you fill out a form, and the IRS is going to magically bring your $50,000 bill down to 800 bucks or zero. It is a non-truth that is not going to happen. The, uh, in all cases, the IRS throws at you a form. I should have the number here. It starts with 43. It's like a mortgage application, and they ask you absolutely everything about you and your assets and your wife and your kids, and you better fill it out honestly because lying on the form is a crime, so you can't do that. you got to absolutely fill it out honestly. And if you have assets and you owe the IRS money, they're going to go sell it, sell it. Now, they can't tell you to have you sell your, the home you live in. There are certain limitations, but uh, certainly if you have investment accounts or whatever, uh, it's not going to magically go away. There, there is no magic bullet like this. Uh, they're going to say, well, sell it and pay your tax. Just like every other American had to pay their tax. Why don't you pay your tax? Uh, um, and again, these are cases where the amount of tax has been well vetted and litigated, right? You might have gone through an audit or you filed returns saying, yes, this is what I owe, uh, where there's no dispute. I don't, I don't want to get into where well, you're in an argument with the IRS about whether you owe it or not. That's cool. That can go on for a couple of years. Uh, so, and sometimes you don't owe it because uh, the computations, when you get through it and you apply certain areas of the law, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about areas where, where everyone acknowledges the tax is owed. The question is, are you going to be forgiven of it? And my warning to all of you, um, which you've heard before if you listen to my podcast, is, is if you have assets, they're going to force you to sell them. To pay the tax. So these OIC mill, OIC mills urge people to hire their company to file an offer and compromise application, even though the taxpayer won't qualify. They know they just like me. You can call me. I can ask you three questions and know whether any of this is going to work. Uh, they often charge big fees to prepare an application uh, that they know the IRS will deny. This is an unfair practice. Waste taxpayers' time and money. Taxpayers who qualify for OIC can get the same deal working with the IRS directly without the extra fees. Now, for the reputable OIC organizations, it is really, really, really scary working with the IRS. So I don't begrudge anyone saying, oh, this is not a do-it-yourself project. I want my hand held. I want uh, someone who's done it 50 times as expertise. I don't begrudge it. So for the IRS to say, oh, yes, you can do it with us directly. It's no big deal. Well, well, you know, some of these forms, they've tested them. You need to have 120 IQ just to be able to fill out the darn forms, right? So for them to say, this is easy, no big deal, just do it. Uh, not so true. Not so true. Uh, a lot of this stuff, again, is not a do-it-yourself project because the forms, the English, and if you're not so great in math, and maybe your language skills aren't so great, and I'm not judging, I'm not criticizing anybody. Tax law is, is, uh, is tedious. It is, uh, uh, um, uh, it is an evasion of privacy. It requires a strong English skill to fill out the form and numerical skill to fill out the forms correctly. So yes, please get help if you need help. <laughs> the point is to try to find an uh, organization that's reputable. The OIC mills that are dishonest are a problem all year long, but they step up their advertising after the filing season ends when taxpayers are trying to resolve their tax issues. One of the things that really irked me is, is, you know, you listen to some of the very best radio stations, highly reputable. 
you know, good quality uh, thing. And here's these ads for some of these organizations that when I listen to it, nah, that's a fraud. That's one of those. That's one of the bad guys. I think uh, the radio stations and other uh, TV stations that, that, that do this advertising, they ought to, they ought to just do a, do a test, right? Take 10 of their customers, go and call them up. How'd this work out? And if you find, oh, you know, they did the best they could. We got a good answer. We did get a compromise, whatever. And, uh, but, uh, or, or you get 10 out of 10, say complete rip off. I sent them a thousand dollars. Nothing happened. And I ended up having the fight with the IRS myself anyway. All right. Well, if you do that and uh, that's the answer, you shouldn't put their ads on the radio or TV. Again, just me pontificating. Here's what taxpayers consider an, an, considering an OIC should know. Individual taxpayers can use IRS's offers, offer and compromise pre-qualifier tool to see if they're eligible. Yes, if you're good enough with computers and your language skills and numerical skills are good enough, please, yes, the IRS is trying to reach out and make things easier. When the taxpayer is ready to apply, they can watch the OIC a video playlist <laughs> that will lead them through the steps and forms to calculate for appropriate offer based on their assets, income, expenses, and future earnings potential. We'll put this in the show notes and show notes because that's great. I love it, right? You know, you're on your iPhone and you can listen to the video and you can fill out the, the tool. And if there's help out there, good. If, if, uh, like I say, you owe them 50,000 and you have 3 million. In assets uh, that you could sell, no, nope, it's not going to work. Tell you that right now. Taxpayers must make an offer based on their true ability to pay. It's just like a mortgage application. They're going to check everything you tell them. Applying does not guarantee the IRS will accept the taxpayer's offer. And we'll put the link right there in the show notes. So, okay, we've uh, covered a good bit of ground today about what's happening with the, the more and more narrow Build Back Better bill. We certainly encourage the CHIPS bill in some fashion to help the semiconductor industry to, uh, to you know, uh, a fab, they call it, it's a fabrication factory, a fab, they call it. It takes like $10 billion to build a fab, right? Where you can build, make semiconductors. These are endless engineering, endless designing, uh, very complicated equipment, getting it, testing it. You know, from the day you have everybody in there and you've hired everybody, it's going to take a year just to get a chip out of there that actually works. I mean, huge investment. But those chips are now in every single thing we do. So we, I encourage helping them. You know, you talk about national security and something that's a good use of taxpayer dollars. There you are. There you are. Anybody engaged in manufacturing chips is in serious, serious capital-intensive business. And uh, uh, talk about, again, national defense and and innovation and helping our economy. Uh, I, I, I have no interest in any of them. I mean, I'm no financial interest. I'm just telling you, I've worked uh, with some of that interest industry in the past, but that's where you can really, really help the American economy. All right. And we also talked to remember those employee retention credits and stay away from those offer and compromise mills. Again, take a look at Alan Olson's American Dream Show that's also on our www.groco.com website. You can find it uh, also just by putting in American Dreams, Alan Olson, on your browser. Feel free to give us a call if you need any help. We hope you'll check back in and, and listen next week. Thank you very much. Ron Cullen, 
from Greenstein Rogoff Olson and Company in beautiful downtown Fremont, California.